Welcome, everyone, to the Thursday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and we got a lot to unpack today. So let's get right into it. We're going to start with the Census Bureau's monthly report on new residential construction. And normally when a report comes out, I'm on top of it. So 8.30, the report comes out, boom, I'm looking at the numbers, figuring out what's important, what's not, getting it ready to post on the website, and of course, analyzing it for the podcast. But yesterday, I was actually preoccupied, and I didn't get the report until later. And I'll tell you, I saw some of the headlines before I had a chance to look at the report, and they were universally bad. I mean, it was, oh my gosh, look at this. Housing starts plummet. Housing starts fall. And I thought, okay, well, this can't be too good. But when I actually looked at the report, it was mixed at best. Sure, housing starts did plummet, but the rest of the report wasn't bad. So we'll start with housing starts. That was a big drop. It fell 7% in July from, of course, June. And, but, or I should say, but they were up year over year, 2.5%. So yeah, month to month, devastating. I mean, that's a, that's a big big fall and of course it was much worse than anticipated but like i said the rest of the report was actually positive for example building permits month over month were up 2.6 percent and were up six percent compared to the same time last year housing completions better even better i should say up 5.6 percent when compared to last month and up 3.8 percent compared to the same time last year now there's one category that everyone cares about and that is the all-important single family housing and so what happened with single family housing well about what you'd expect month over month we saw a 4.5 percent drop in housing starts makes sense the overall number was down authorizations though were up 1.7 percent and completions were up 3.6 percent now normally i'd say this was a swing and a miss but this time it's more like a swing and a mixed because forecasts were much more optimistic when it came to starts they they projected 1.6 million we actually saw 1.53 million but they were more pessimistic about permits which they thought were going to be at 1.61 million when they were actually at 1.63 million. So in my opinion, July was a mixed month. Most headlines focused on the plummets and starts, but I think that's kind of missing the forest for the trees. Right now we're looking at a tight a tight labor market and high prices are dissuading many builders from starting new projects. But it's not stopping them from completing projects and they've increased permits which means they're optimistic about the future. So like I said, a mixed month. Got to look past the headlines. Always an important thing to do. Now, as I mentioned, the other big report that came out yesterday, not really a report, uh, it was the Fed minutes that came out. And we, we discussed this on, I think it was, was it last podcast, we talked about the opinions on when the Fed was going to be tapering, but now we know exactly what happened in the meeting. And so let's jump into probably the three big areas that most people care about. That's tapering, interest rates, and inflation. So tapering, when is it going to happen? We knew that they had already started talking about it. So when is it going to happen? Well, here's what the minutes said. Looking ahead, most participants noted that provided that the economy were to evolve broadly as they anticipated, they judged that it could be appropriate to start reducing the pace of asset purchases this year. And we've heard fall, 
Some people have thrown that date out there. Now, why? Well, the committee's substantial further progress criterion has satisfied with respect to the price stability goal and as close to being satisfied with respect to the maximum employment goal. And it should also be noted that participants agreed that the committee would provide advanced notice before making changes to its balance sheet policy. So they're basically telling us, listen, it could happen. We're happy with the way the economy's moving. But if we do decide, we're going to give you advanced notice. We're going to give you a lot of time. And of course, the markets took this as bad news. And I think what did the markets end up down? A hundred some points. And so they were not exactly thrilled with, oh no, they're going to reduce their asset purchases. Bad news there. But here's the good news. No change at all when it comes to interest rates. Members agreeing to keep the target range for the federal funds rates between zero and a quarter percent. And when could that change? Well, not until labor market conditions have reached levels consistent with the committee's assessment of maximum employment and inflation had risen to 2% and was on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, aren't we there? Well, definitely not labor market. There's still, what, 7 million people who aren't working that were before this all started. And sure, inflation for the last couple of months has been crazy. But once again, looking at the way the Fed calculates inflation remember we're talking about over a certain time period yeah we're probably still under two percent especially because of what happened last year but let's talk about inflation because they did get into that there's a lot of concern that you know what hey this this idea that inflation is transitory no no one's there there's a there's a growing movement of people who are like nah that's that is not the case so the fed did admit that the inflation that we are seeing was higher than they had anticipated, saying, quote, participants remarked that inflation had increased generally more than expected this year and attributed this increase to supply constraints in product and labor markets and a surge in consumer demand as the economy reopened. So the big question, do they still believe it's transitory? Yes. In fact, participants pointed out that the largest contributors to recent increases in measures of inflation were only a handful of sectors most affected by temporary supply bottlenecks or sectors in which price levels were rebounding from the depressed levels as the economy continues to reopen. Now, participants generally expect inflation pressure to ease as the effects of these transitory factors dissipate. So they're saying, hey, listen, it's only a few categories. And you know, we've noted that. You look at used cars, for example, up 40% year over year. That's going to have an impact. And then let's also not forget one of the other big concerns is housing. I think housing makes up a third of the calculation for inflation. And so if all of a sudden we're seeing, we're already seeing it with housing, you know, to buy a house. What about renting? which is just starting to really heat up. And so what they're arguing is, hey, listen, you have a certain certain sectors that are being impacted worse than others, and it's having an over impact on the overall inflation number. And so once that gets all fixed out, everything's going to be okay. So the big question is, when does that happen? When are we going to see prices drop? Well, they don't really know. <laughs> In fact... Several participants remarked that larger than anticipated supply chain disruptions and increases in input costs 
could sustain upward pressure on prices till 2022. <laughs> so we could see well into next year inflation continuing with the Fed saying, no, 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 it's transitory. I mean, how long do we just, does, does inflation happen where just on paper, it's no longer transitory? You know, it's like a recession. It's, you know, two, two, or, two or more quarters of negative growth equals a recession. Is there something that says that with inflation where it's no longer transitory and it's now become permanent? I don't know. I'm legitimately asking that question. I don't know. I guess I could Google it. Maybe I'll Google it here. Now, I know you're asking, Tyler, what about housing? Well, I'm glad you asked because they did note that participants generally expected housing demand to remain strong. That's good. But they noted that construction had been restrained by shortages of materials and other inputs and that home sales had been held back by limited supplies of available homes. So they're like, hey, things are going to be good unless they're not. <laughs> I, love, I love when the Fed gets to make predictions. Hey, things are looking good unless they don't, unless the Delta variant kicks in. Inflation's temporary unless it's not. That's just, that's, that's how they roll. But the Fed's saying, hey, we're happy. The one point they did stress was they're happy with the way the economy is moving and they're happy it's moving in the right direction. They're obviously still worried about COVID, but they feel good. And that's why they're already talking about asset purchases. So all in all, a good report and the market reacted as we expected. It was down. They're worried about the uh, assets purchases. All right, real quick, before we run out of time, I don't want to go too long on today's pod. We did get our weekly data from the Mortgage Bankers Association looking at mortgage demand. And in total, it fell 3.9% for the week. The refi index fell 5% and was down 8% from the same time a year ago. Purchases fell 2% and were down a whopping 19% from the same time a year ago. It should be noted that the drop in refi demand now means that refinances make up 67.3% of mortgage activity, down from 68% the previous week. And so what's really causing this? Well, mortgage rates continue to climb and they actually broached the 3% threshold for the first time since July. The average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage increased seven basis points to 3.06%, which was still down from the same time last year when it was 3.13%. And the 15-year fix moved up six basis points to 2.45%, but that also still down from last year when it was 2.73%. Joel Kahn, the NBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, said that despite the second weekly decrease, there's still evidence that the market is hot. Saying, quote, despite a second straight weekly decrease, average loan sizes remain close to record highs. This is a continuing sign that sale prices are elevated, driven by stiff competition, leading to accelerating home price growth. So, yeah, mortgage demand, especially refi, moving with the rates. Not all that surprising, but overall, home prices are still pretty darn high, as you'd expect. All right, we got to go. You guys, enjoy your Thursday. I'll see you back here Friday morning. Always the best morning, Friday morning. And as always, don't forget, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.